0: are excited to be in the church tonight yes. amen. amen no matter how your day started Hallelujah. amen you know what your car wouldn't start this morning when you were on your way to work or you know what your boss was all over you or you know what that one that one person at work that rubs you like sandpaper amen the, it, it, but you made it here to the house of God tonight and that's all that's important God has something for you if you are open to what he has to say amen. Well, tonight I get to minister. I'm grateful for that, and I want to thank God for my salvation, for for what he's doing in my life. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You all remember my fictitious couple, the the Odell's, amen, Otis and Martha, amen. Well, Martha's been on Otis for a while to go get a, a physical. You know, men, we don't like to you know, how anything, you know, your car could be making a sound forever, and you know, eh, as long as it starts, but one day it won't, so your body, you know, so she's been on him, get a physical, you know what, I, I, you know, I want you to be healthy, so he goes to the doctor, and uh, he addresses a few things with the doctor, he comes out of the exam room, and he's all excited, he's all, you know, she's sitting in the lobby, and and she says, uh, you know, how's it going? He says, the doctor said it. He confirmed it. He said, Mr. Odell, you are a beast. And she just looked at him and she's like, oh my God. What else did he say? He says, well, he wants me to go get a hearing exam. But you know what? I, I, yeah, I just, I, I told you yeah, nothing was wrong with me. He says, Mr. Odell, you are a beast. So he says, here, read the paper for yourself. Going to the elevator and she's reading it, she's looking at it. He presses the first floor and she's reading it, she's shaking her head and she's laughing. She says, Otis. He didn't say you are a beast. He said you are obese. <laughs> and that's why you're getting a hearing exam. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Tonight, I want to continue to speak on uh, our topic for the next couple weeks is going to be on the healthiness of the church. I titled this message The Wellness of God's Church. And part of that, what that looks like is is, it's the person, the individual, and what God is doing in the church and what we are allowing God to do in our lives, in our spiritual lives. As God begins to minister to us through his word, through your prayer, wherever you're you're taking the opportunities to draw from God. As you get closer to God, as you get into God's word, God starts to minister to you and, and, and to develop you. And we start to... Turn in and get healthy habits. Amen. How many know that before we came to Christ, a lot of the habits that we had were unhealthy? Amen. So when we come to Jesus, uh, there's a transformation and God starts to do that work in our lives. And, and, and one person asked this question. He says, when, when the Bible teaches that the church's Christian life is a, one of a constant growth. And when you and I were born again, we were born into God's family. And it is God's purpose that we grow into full stature and become mature in Christ. Full stature. That means that you continue to grow. Amen. God, God, when you, I mean, if, if, if you are still struggling with the things that had tripped you up when you first came to Jesus and you've been serving the Lord for a length of time, there's a problem there. And this is where God tries to correct things in our life through the messages that God delivers over the pulpit, through the reading of the word, through hearing of, of, of sermons that God starts to minister to us and we start to develop. You take it in and you say, you know what? God is convicting me. I need to take care of that. I need to address it. One person said that if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. Amen. The word of God will always challenge you. It will always confront things in our life and expose things that we need to address. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it reads this, and it says, Now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy. And may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body, be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus the anointed one. Pray with me tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. Thank you, Father, for gathering us here, Lord, under this sanctuary, Father God, that you just, Lord, use me tonight as a vessel to speak your word. Father, I ask that you would just prepare hearts tonight, Lord, those who are watching us on our stream. Lord God, that your word would just go through the airwaves, Father. And whoever needs to hear this tonight, Lord God, that if they are receptive and that your word, Lord God, will fall on good ground, good soil, Father God. Take root and Father God, that you would help us to develop to be better people in your son's glorious name. And we say, amen. Amen. Verse 23. It says, now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy. My first point is being set apart. See, being set apart... One of the excuses that we gave and you often hear when you speak to someone about turning their heart over to Jesus is that, you know what, I heard I have to give this up. I heard that you can't do this and you can't do that. And, and see, being set apart from the world doesn't mean that you can't have fun. How many know that we have fun? Our music, just fellowship things, and it's, and it's clean. You don't wake up with a nasty hangover on Sunday. Right? And, and you have good fellowship and, and family, and, and, and you know, it's, it's just beautiful. And you didn't experience that, you didn't know that. But see, sometimes people think that, you know, what being set apart from the world means that you can't have, but we're not being, we're, we're not just to indulge in the sinful activities of the world. See, when someone tells me, oh, you go to one of those churches where you can't do this. And you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. I say this, I could do whatever I want. God gave me a free will. But I don't have the desire to do it. I don't have the desire to drink. I don't have the desire to watch these things or do these things and and, and do that and all this nonsense that I I used to get caught up in. It took my time, it wasted my time, it took away my family time, took a lot of things away from me. And so what I say is, is, look, I could do whatever I would like to do. I just don't have the desire to do it. God has given me something greater that I could say, you know what? I don't need to drink to have to feel good. Remember, you, you couldn't, you couldn't you know, go to the party. or you, could, you would just sit there until you got your buzz on. And then you got loose, and then you you know you found out, man. You know what, uh, uh, man? What they call you up say, man, you were crazy last night. What did I do? You know what? You woke you woke up in the park in your goshawns, so and you don't know what happened. Well, how did I get here? What you what, know what 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 happened last night? See, when you when you know Jesus, you know where you've been. You have a clean. Your mind has been perfected. God is doing that work in your life. One person said, you will never influence the world by trying to be like it. There's so much temptation to try to be like the world. There's so much influence from social media to try to be like that person, like this person. And what happens is that we try so hard and we can never achieve it. You could get close, but you have to give up a lot. And see, that's the whole plot of the enemy is to try to distract you and pull you away from what God is trying to do in your life because you want to fit in. You want to fit in. You want to be cool. You want to be accepted. You want to, you want to sit at that lunch table, the cool table. But you have to give up something to get there. And see, what the enemy doesn't show you, he'll show you the, the bait, but he doesn't show you the hook. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 2 says, you have been set apart as holy to the Lord, your God, and he has chosen you from the nations of the earth to be his own special treasure. The God of all heaven looks at you and says, you are my treasure. I set you apart. If anything, that right there should put joy in your heart because God has chosen you. God has, has, has looked upon you, and you didn't, you didn't choose him. He chose you. You just make the choice every day to live for him. But his hand has been upon you before you were formed in the womb. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 says this, since we, were, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. The scripture tells us to fear God. Now, the fear of God is not like where you, you know, you, you step out of your door and you're looking around like, okay, there's a few clouds in the sky. But no, the fear of God is that you have a reverence for God, that you have a, 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 an adornment for God, that you say, you know, what, God, I, I want to serve you with all my heart because I love you. I want to serve you with all my heart because you have been so good to me. Some of you here have been pulled out of the miry clay and God has done a glorious work in your life. And yes, you will have those bad days where you say, man, is it worth it? When you you have those days, sometimes you got to just encourage yourself and say, you know what? I know where I've been. I know where I've been and I don't want to be there no more. I don't want to go back to that pit. I want to keep going forward. Look it, I'd rather have a bad day in Jesus than a good day without him. So part of, the, part of the, the, the transformation that God is doing is, is, is one is that we need to set ourselves apart. We need to decide, are we going to serve you, Lord? See, we're beyond the plain church. We're beyond that. We're living in the last days, people. I don't know how, how clear it's been made, but messages after messages, you're going to hear it time and time again. We are in the last days. When you follow prophecy and you follow the news and you see how things are lining up, man, there's days where you just man it, it doesn't cross your mind. But imagine it, imagine that you man are just driving one day and all of a sudden, boom. That should keep us and say, you know what, Lord, look at, it. I don't want to be, I don't want to be left behind. I remember when we were kids and we would watch those at church. Woo, boy those, but those were the days boy where you got you, man, you, you made another altar call. You got in your car and made another altar call because you, you didn't want to be left behind. Amen. And see, one of the things that's going on in these days is that the church is declining. They're saying from 2018 to 2020 the the, populate, or the, the attendance of church has gone down 17 percent because now you have other Religions popping up. You know what those Christians, man? For all these years, they've been telling you "You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't you can't have fun, you can't do all these things. This you know, we 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 allow this. We we you know, we drink, we do these things, we go to dance clubs, we do all these. We glorify God this way, and they pull people. They're accountable for that. They are accountable for that. See, listen. You might not always like what comes across this pulpit. But I will always tell you the truth. I will always say, look, you come to me and say, hey, bro, does these leather pants look good on me? I am going to tell you the truth. (laughs) What's the saying? Just because they make them in your size don't mean they're for you. Come on now. Hallelujah. amen. I know some of you are still waiting for your MC Hammer pants to come back in style. Keep waiting. Hallelujah. The second thing, renew your mind. We must conform our minds to that of Christ. Romans 12, 2 says this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then, see, once the transformation starts to take place, then you're able to discern what is of God. When you study the truth, counterfeit cannot interject into you. When you know what is real, you have to be very careful. Not everyone who comes and knocks on your door and tells you that Jesus loves you is there to preach the gospel to you. Bust out your Bible. Or better yet, just say, you know what? Today's not a good day for false doctrine. And just close the door. When we get closer to the light of God, the light starts to shine on our sins. The closer you draw to Jesus, the more light will be shined on what is wrong in your heart. The last time I spoke, I spoke on the signs and symptoms of a failing heart. Your body will always tell you when something is going on. And when the body of Christ is suffering, God reveals it to the minister's to the people of God in prayer. See, prayer is our communication with God. The Word of God is God communicating to us. And when we have that relationship with God, see, we can't just live off of the devotionals. We can't just live off of these things. We have to study to show ourselves approved, lacking nothing. So we get into the Word of God and we study it and we find it. And look, I understand that sometimes people say, you know what, is is there a a, a version that I could read that is, is, you know, find one for you. Everybody is on different levels. Some people like, I can't read, I can't read, uh, what you call it, King James. I get all tongue twisted. (laughs) I can't. So I found the new King James Version. And it helps me and I read from that and I'm able to understand it. and there's sometimes where I just want to find out a little more so I'll go to another version and I'll start to break it down and then find synonyms and find all the things in it, and it gives me a clearer picture of what God is trying to show me. See, when we start to do that, we start to develop into the man and the woman that God has called us to be. So we don't conform to the pattern of this world. See, I wrote down a few signs you are growing towards being kingdom-minded. See, that's the goal, is to be kingdom-minded. For many years, we weren't there. We weren't there. And then there's some times where, you know, where you're coming to church, and you, you know, you're, 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 you're starting to feel it and get in a little motion, and then, boom, there's that one day where God just reveals himself to you. You make an altar call, and you're just there, and God, you just feel like, you know what, God spoke to me today. And then you want more, and then you want more, and then you start receiving more, and you start understanding things, and you start writing things down, and you want to find out what this word means and what that word means. And you find out that God has a plan for you. And then when you discover that, you say, oh, Lord, what is it? There's a process that's involved. The first thing is, is that you put to death all all that dishonors God and demeans others. That's a sign that you are kingdom-minded. You're changing your garments. See, you're no longer wearing the heaviness of sin, depression, these garments will always weigh you down and prevent you from progressing in God. So when you change your garments, when you change those garments in Psalms 30, verse 11, it says, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. See, when you have that relationship with God, there are times, man, where you can't, just, you can't just help but shout. You can't just help but get excited. When you see God change somebody's life, when you see somebody making a turn, and for the better, somebody who comes into the house of God beaten down, stepped on, and when you see God touch them and they start to smile, and when you start to see that light upon them, you should get excited. You should get excited. Pastor Burris, the last time he spoke at our church in Buena Park, he goes in his pocket and he pulls out a penny and he hands it to me. I looked at him, okay, all right. And he said, you know, I used to see a penny on the floor. He goes, everybody walks over them. Everybody walks over them. Nobody pays attention to them. They even got little dishes now where you could just drop your pennies in there when you go to the market. And he says, but this old pastor told me one time, he says, I always pick up a penny because it reminds me. It reminds me of this, that God left the 99 to pick me. That penny still has value. That penny might be stepped on. You might not even see Lincoln's face on it, but it still has value. No matter your situation, God loves you. You are so important to God, and God left the 99 to go after you. That right there has always stood in my mind. It's been a couple years now, a few years now since he told me that, but now I have a jar full of pennies. Because I see pennies and I pick them up. I dig them up out of the dirt. And sometimes I say to myself, oh, I'll get it on the way out. But I try to be mindful because God's always showing me, look, pay attention to that one individual. You see that person over there. They look sad. Maybe if you go up to them and just let them know that Jesus loves them. Maybe you'll put a smile on their face. You don't know what a person is going through until you ask. Sometimes we don't want to bother them or we don't want to interfere with what's going on. Or maybe sometimes they're just talking to themselves and that kind of spooks you. But sometimes if you just take that step of faith and say, you know what? I don't want to take up too much of your time. But can I give you this paper right here to let you know that God loves you? And sometimes they'll say, hey, you have a minute. Can you pray with, for my mother? Can you pray for my son? And that opens the door right there. Changing our garments. See, when you put on the garment of compassion, kindness and humility, meekness and patience, Colossians 3:12, there's a transformation in your life. See, God is always looking to change the old to the new. See, Christians who continue to walk around with the garment of heaviness and depression and anxiety and worrisome, all these, all these, these things that weigh you down, you will not be able to come in. you, you can't lift your hands. they're too heavy. But when you begin to release things to God, God takes them. God takes them. Man, it's so important that we stay open with God. Listen, a good relationship and a healthy relationship with church is where the father has a relationship with their child. Where you're able to go, listen, my children know that they could come to me. My children know that if they're hurting, if they have a problem, if something's bothering them, they know they could come to me. I, don't, I always have to be mindful to make time to listen to that. That's a, that's a sign of being a father. I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have a father. My father, John, when he was six. So I did, had to look at other people, other, other men in the church, brother, older brothers in the church, and see how they did things. And, and I desired that. I wanted that. I seen how they did it. And I had that. When, we, when me and a few of the young guys came into the church, we were all a bunch of knuckleheads. Amen. Bunch of us. Amen. But you know what? Our pastor took us and he said, hey, come here. You guys come over here. I want you guys to do this. I want you guys to come over here with this guy. He's going to teach you how to nusher. He's going to teach you how to do these things. And we were 16, 17 years old. Pastor Gino, Brother Phil, all of us young men were always there. We always wanted to be at the house of God. Because we felt safe there. We felt like, you know what? People cared for us. And there was love there. And there was brothers there who would take you and say, you know what? Come here. Pastor Rudy told me I was the one who taught me how to street preach. Took me to the county jail. Man, I was scared. I was like 17 years old. And took me to the county jail. And there's like hundreds of people standing in line. He says, the good thing is, is they can't leave. That's good. So he says, okay, I'm going to go first. And he went first, started preaching and preaching. And then he says, okay, come on now, your turn. And I, man, I remember every fiber in my body was just burning. And I just went up there all scared, but I started to preach. And then I said, you know what, okay, okay this, is how he did, this is how you're going to do it. You give them Jesus, bring them Jesus, let them know how Jesus loves them. And then, I, you know, we start to develop. And then from there, we went to the streets. We would go on the streets on Tuesdays and Saturdays. And bring them, bring them the gospel. DIA, Disciples in Action. You young people, man, you need to get out there on the streets. You need to get out there and get fired up and start bringing youth to the, to the cross and bringing the gospel to the streets and to your schools and standing up for Jesus. There's nothing like it. This generation needs to step up. We're in the last days and you need to step up. You have, you have every tool available to you. Man, back then we didn't have cell phones. We had lookouts is what we had. We would, have the, we would have the band set up, and we'd have a lookout at the corner. And when the cops were coming, they would whistle and let us know. we pack it up and went in the car, went to another part of the barrio. And we did this every Tuesday nights and Saturdays. And you know what? God started moving. God started building the church. The church started developing healthy. We were running about eight to 900 people there. God was doing a great work. But see, now we have so many distractions. So much available. Now church becomes an option. Church becomes an option to the point where it says, I'll go unless I have something better else to do. It. I could drop this pen. <laughs> <laughs> Colossians 3, turn with me there. Colossians 3, verse 1. You with me? Say Amen. amen. It says this. It says, since you were once raised from the dead with Christ, aim at what is in heaven, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Think only about these, the things in heaven and not the things on earth. Your old sinful self has died and your new life is kept with Christ and God. See, the battle is always in the mind, always in the mind. How many have those moments where you have those head trips? The devil just pounding and pounding and pounding. And he starts trying to convince you that nobody at the church cares for you. You're all alone. And you're, you know, your brother and sister lonely. Pity party of one. Trying to invite people in and trying to reach out. But you know what? If you just take the time, see, listen, one of the things that I tell people is, is look, I can't read your mind. If you need prayer, ask for prayer. If you have have something troublesome, if you have this thing going on in your life, reach out to one of our ministers, brothers to brothers, sisters to sisters. Reach out. Let people know. We can't help what we don't know. We don't have a crystal ball. We don't know none of those things. But you you need to come. And and you know what? The main thing that we're going to do is we're going to bring you to Jesus. Sometimes we complain about it more than we pray about it. Devil tries to tell you that you were a mistake. You were never a mistake. You may not have had a great start, but I want to tell you here tonight, you're here, you're in the right place. No matter how you got here, you're here. You might not you know you might have a little stumble here and there, but you know what? God keeps bringing you back. God keeps speaking to you. Listen, when you stop hearing the voice of God, that's when you start worrying. That's when you, you know how people say something told me. No, it's not something. Someone, the Holy Spirit told you. When Jesus starts to speak to you is because he's convicting. He's trying to bring you in order. And these are the things where, you know what, we need to pay attention to. Because, you know what, you could still try to go astray. But you know what, God ain't going to let you go astray. You're going to go out. You're going to, you think you're going to have a good time. You're not going to have a good time. Because you're not going to be able to sin good. Because you know what, you've been sealed. God says you are mine. No matter how far you want, run as far as you want, as wide as you want. Go ahead. Try it. And you know what? Right when you get there, guess what? God will be there waiting for you. It's always going to happen. The third thing is the body and soul. Verse 23, the second part of this says, And may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body, be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. See, one of the things that you must understand is that social media focuses on the superficial, optics. Do you know that the aesthetics business is in the billions now? Where doctor's offices are now closing because it's not profitable. They're going to aesthetics. I walked into a medical building and there were three people standing outside that said Botox, $5, Botox, $6, Botox. And one of the doctors who was administering changing his practice was an ophthalmologist now why would you want an eye doctor injecting something into you and you see these people they walk out all tight (laughs) I tell you I walked into my office one day I came in from lunch and I seen like three of my nurses and they all had like little dots of blood and I thought one person, two person, person—that was kind of, okay, what's going on here? And I kept walking, I walked to the back, I went into the kitchen area, and I seen one of the doctors with, you know, and they're all tidied up and everything. <laughs> I was like, and the doctor comes out, he goes, oh man, Tony, he goes, I mix too much, and you know what, I have to, I have to use it, or else it goes bad. He goes, do you want me to take care of your eyes and stuff like that? Said, no, nah, doc, I'm good the way I am. My wife loves me the way I am. I don't <laughs> Be, look, you guys all look like you got stung by bees around here. You guys got to. <laughs> but see, that's, that's where we are right now. Everybody wants the perfect lips, the perfect eyebrows, and the, the high cheekbones, and, and all this. And all this is because we focus more on the outer appearance. So I tell this to young men. You want to be happy the rest of your life? You got to find yourself a godly wife. Don't look for the outer appearance. That's going to change. But you look for somebody who loves God. Young woman, if you find a man, make sure that man loves God more than he loves you. And he'll be able to treat you right. See, so what are we looking at? We're looking at being set apart. Renewing our mind and body and soul. See, in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. How is that? If we want it. See, the the, the beauty of of the gospel is, is that Christ presents it to you. If you accept it and receive it and apply it, then you're able to fulfill the work of God in your life. See, there has to be a balance. There must be a balance. See, in Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You do not belong to yourself. Oh, I'm my own boss. No, you're not. The Bible says here that you were bought with the price, so glorify God in your body. See, those, I mean, look at it. I'm not saying, look... But it, look, if, if all the gym is all you do, on the outward, you're doing well. But it's the inner man, the inner woman. Well, you, you need to work on that. Look it, starve the flesh and build the spirit. Starve the flesh. Stop doing the things that... The, the flesh is desiring, do those things. And when, and when you have that temptation, you know what? You say, you know what, God, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to do exactly the opposite. If the devil tells you to do this, trust me, it's not for, for you. It is for him to trip you up. And where you say, you know what? I'm not going to fall for that no more. Listen, some of us have, have made the mistake one, twice, three times. Thank God for the grace of God where he's able to lift you up. But we should not continue to do that. Look at it, I, I hear people say, well, I'm okay, I'm not, I'm not where I was yesterday, I'm not where I should be. Five years later, why are you not where you should be? Because you're not making the effort where you say, you know what, God, I want to be a better man, I want to be a better husband, a better wife, I want to be a better disciple. Those are those who take it upon themselves to say, you know what, God, I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my heart to you. We know it. None of us here, not one here is perfect, none of us. It's not possible because humans are by nature imperfect beings. Even babies, as perfect as they are when they're born, as soon as they get to a certain point, they're not so perfect. (laughs) They talk back and then they get a little older and you know, you know, uh, the little ones, when you tell them, "What's in your hand?" that's like a sign for them to jam, take off running, and then they throw it. <laughs> they know. It's our nature. Yes, you know, you, They got chocolate all over their face. Did you eat that chocolate cake? No, it wasn't me. <laughs> they do it. It's just our nature. So we're making steps towards improving ourselves, the wellness. So there's a process. This is to trust the process where we say, you know what, God, whatever you're doing, whether you're in the home or whether you're, you know what, you just knew to the Lord and you're saying, you know what, uh, how do I, how do I, you you get involved. You join a Bible study or, you know what, you say, you know what, I'm going to keep coming. You're going to grow if you keep coming. If you plant yourself here, you're going to grow here. If God brought you here, he brought you here for a reason. And you know what, let the Lord do the work that he's Needs to do. There's the process. There's, there's an, a, a process of elimination. Where God starts to remove things into your life. And when he's removing things. He's putting better things into your heart. And then there's the progress. Of you being transformed slowly. But painfully. How many know that sometimes. The hand of God could be so gentle. But sometimes it could be a little heavy. And sometimes when it's heavy. It's because we're, we're hesitant. On what he's doing in our life. Sometimes we just hold back a little. Say, oh, you know what? I don't need to do that this month. I'll start it next month. Or I'll do it after this. Oh, let me get this out of the way. We start conniving. We start, we start uh, trying to figure out a way how to do what we want to do, but still do the will of God. You can't do it. Oil and water don't mix. It never will. It'll always overtake each other. So we, we trust the process and we, uh, the progress of transformation. And then there's the position. In God's timing, you will be sent. I say this, do what you need to do until you do what you're called to do. That's where God sends you. That's, our, that's our, our, our mission statement is to reach, teach, mend, and send. And where God starts to develop you and then when God is going to launch you into what God has called you to do. All the time it's like, sent, sent into a city? No, it's not sent into a city necessarily, but it's a sent into the body of Christ. Because we're all here and we're all here for each other. See, one of the signs of a good hospital is that there's a good infrastructure. It's no good to go into a hospital and there's no nurses there's nobody there to care for you. And so you are there to care for the individuals and bring them to Jesus where Jesus is able to do the work. We catch them, he cleans them is what we do. Let's stand here tonight. Don't you just love the Lord? He's been so good to us. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, tonight, staying on the theme of wellness in the body of Christ. But one of the areas that an individual has to come to is, is that they have to determine in their heart that they need help. They need a Savior. Every one of us here had to come to that point. We tried it, some of us, for longer than we should have. Some of us, God had to really get our attention to bring us to our point. But I say that for this. If you've been waiting for an opportunity, don't let another day go by without the Lord. You're here tonight, somebody brought you, somebody invited you, or maybe you've been coming for for a length of time, but you have yet to fully submit your heart to God. Maybe you're watching us here, somebody gave you the link, and you say, Anthony, I don't know Jesus. I wanted to hear the music, music's awesome, you know it, and I just heard some of the words you said. I really didn't understand it, but I don't know the Lord. And I feel something inside of me telling me that, give him a try. If that's you here tonight, I want to welcome you up to this altar. I'll pray with you. You're backslidden. You made a mistake. Don't stay there. Get up. Get up. Dust yourself off and come to the altar and say, you know what, Lord? Help me. I'm going to say this prayer, and if that's you here tonight, I just want you to say it. Believe it in your heart. The Bible says, and you shall be saved. Amen. If I could get one of the brothers, if you could come with this, brother. If I could get a sister...